0: Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. And do we have something special for you today? Yes, we have a special episode. And we also have a special game of Solitaire. I don't know if you've seen it, but Solitaire Cube has actually started online advertising and they are showing up in all kinds of different apps. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. They've done an all-out blitz in advertising with social media apps. So if you haven't heard of Solitaire Cube, they are monetizing all kinds of different games now. The exclusive offer from The Derek Izzy Show will get you $1 for free when you sign up and make your first deposit into your account. Now, let me tell you what Solitaire Cube is. It's a solitaire game on your phone that is monetized, so you can actually play real games for real money. Enter a tournament, you can play one-on-one. The games start at $0.60 per game. If you pay that $0.60 and you beat your opponent, you will win $1. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to set up. You can just put a couple bucks into your account, get started, use promo code DerekIzzy, D-E-R-E-K-I-Z-Z-I, and you will get $1 for free when you set up your initial deposit, and maybe you'll compete against me. So, my listener audience, I'm wondering if we have any adventurers in the audience today. A once popular sports, which is still kind of popular today except on a on a different scale is cave exploration. Today we may have spelunkers that are going around exploring caves and tunnels. But back in the 1800s and the early 1900s, cave exploration was very different. We didn't have the rules and regulations and safety precautions that we have today, but explorers and adventurers loved their caves. They sought out caves all over the country, and they weren't concerned with their own personal safety. The goal was to find the scariest, deepest cave. And that's the tradition in our country. Always strive to be the best. And when it comes to cave exploration, it was an all-out war in the United States back in the mid-late 1800s and early 1900s. Explorers seemed to have no fear. They didn't care what they were getting into. They would go underwater, underground. And what was the payoff? Well, if you could discover a cave and set a record or bring tourists in to see your cave, you could get rich very quickly. In fact, in the early 1900s, the state of Kentucky was in a full-fledged cave war. There were caves like the Great Crystal Cave, which was part of the Flint Ridge Cave System, Mammoth Cave... And Mammoth Cave, I believe, is still the longest known cave system in the world. But these cave wars led to big money. Tourists would come from all over the place to visit these caves that were all discovered by some very non-claustrophobic person. And that's how it was back then. If you wanted to get rich, there were lots of chances to get rich, and you would risk your life for it. Born on July 20th, 1887, the topic of our podcast, grew up on a farm. He was just one of eight children in his family, and he was a gifted, no-fears explorer. Records show that at the age of six, he was exploring caves. He was looking for artifacts, anything he could find inside these caves that he could sell to friends, family, tourists. He was definitely an adventurous entrepreneur at such a young age. And as he grew up, his entrepreneurial spirit and lack of fear seemed to drive him forward. As a teenager, he would explore caves with a reckless abandonment. He had no fear to where he was going, and he would let nothing stop him from exploring these unknown wonders. As he grew into adulthood, this love of exploration would lead him to discover many different caves and explore tunnels that led to magical places during one exploration one of his favorite destinations was mammoth cave mammoth cave is out near brownsville kentucky one of the popular aspects of that cave were the benefits to the manufacturing industry Back in those days, there was a high demand for products that could be found in that cave that were used in gunpowder manufacturing. These brave cave explorers made it possible to discover these underground minerals and materials that could be used in the manufacturing industry. There was lots of money to be made in this. Between the products for manufacturing and the revenue that would come from tourist exploration, owning a cave could be quite popular. But it also came with a lot of responsibility. And the topic of our podcast was going to learn something about responsibility. As caves were purchased by different families and tourists started to explore them, there was a need for the brave cave explorers to continue exploring, go deeper into the cave. Hidden passages were discovered, but they needed to be explored. Is this a path where you could lead tourists down? Can you charge extra, make more money now? Are there minerals or substances down this path that could be used in the manufacturing industry? Discovering one cave often led to the discovery of smaller caves or hidden paths within those caves. It was like uncovering a new world. It was this drive and braveness that would lead the topic of our podcast in 1925 to explore a cave that was possibly within Mammoth Cave But it was dubbed Sand Cave by the news media. The topic of our podcast managed to squeeze through narrow passageways in order to get to this big, wide-open chamber. Some of these passageways that he was squeezing through were reported to be as small as 9 inches. Now think about this. You are exploring a cave. You're crawling underground. There's basically a tunnel that is 9 inches high. But if you can get through it, there's a big opening on the other side, and then you have space. But if you can't get through it, what do you do? Are you going to take that risk? Just thinking about it now, I sure as hell know I wouldn't. I'm getting uncomfortable just thinking about being underground and seeing that tunnel. And I'm sure I'm sure the height of the tunnel ranged between different different heights as it went through the ground. But if I'm looking at that tunnel and seeing that it narrows down to nine inches high, I don't know. I think I'm turning around and going the opposite direction. But that's the only way to get to the big opening, the grotto chamber. And the topic of our podcast did it. He had a gas lamp that he would take with him when he would do his cave explorations. And this gas lamp was with him that day. You know, it gets dark underground. This was 1925. He's a cave explorer. There's no lights underground. He's got his gas lamp, and that is his source of light, and it's also a source of heat. So the topic of our podcast got on his stomach, stretched his arms out, pushing his lantern ahead of him, and he slowly inched through that narrow tunnel. He would reach the opening in the tunnel, the large grotto, where he would have more space only to find that his lantern, his little gas lamp, his trusty source of heat and light would start to flicker. Well, What does that mean? That means he was about to lose his source of heat and light. While the topic of our podcast was extremely brave and had no fear of these tight spaces, he did understand that without light, he would not be able to navigate the cave in the dark. So at this point, he decided to turn around and head back to safety. As he turned around to head back to safety, he would go through this narrow passageway again. And he'd already done it before, so this was nothing new. He slowly squirmed through the passage on his stomach, stretched out to make sure he had enough space to kind of squirm through. Going through slowly, inch by inch, knowing that he had made it through here before, so he could do it again. Having made it through that narrow passageway, he was on to his next obstacle. And this would be a ten-foot pit. In order to get back to safety, he would have to navigate this. And then suddenly, blackness. His lantern had gone out. But that's okay. He'd worked in the dark before. he He was not new to cave exploration. This was just a minor setback. But how much does he remember about the path that led him to this exploration point? He continued forward. He started feeling around for what he thought was a recognizable feature that he had been through. He thought there was a wall there, and that was a familiar point to him. But when he pushed against it, the rock in the wall fell. Then more rocks fell. One of the rocks would land on his foot, trapping him. He tried to move... But the rocks were too heavy. His foot was trapped. Now he's in the dark, and he's stuck. More rocks began to fall. They started to impede his movement. As he tried to get free, that created more chaos. It was like an avalanche. The struggle to free his foot had only created more problems. Now his arms were pinned against him as rocks fell at his sides. He screamed out for help. But he was exploring this cave alone. There was nobody to scream to. He would spend the night in that cave, trapped by the rocks and in pain from the rock that trapped his foot. The following day, his neighbors came out looking for him. They weren't quite sure where he was, but they knew that they weren't going to go exploring into a cave like that. So the neighbors weren't any direct help. This was on a Friday. The following day, on Saturday, the owner of the property of where the cave was located was made aware that the topic of our podcast could be in the cave. By Sunday, word had gotten out and a rescue plan was being put together. On Monday, a team of Kentucky National Guardsmen, they were a team of eight, they would be able to rescue him for sure. They were equipped with an air compressor and a drill. But they were reluctant to use the drill because the cave was very sandy and and the risk of putting a drill through a surface like that was just too much and they decided not to do that. But they did lower a harness for the topic of our podcast. The idea was that he would wrap the harness around himself and then they would just drag him through the cave and to safety. By now, the press was involved. Newspapers from all over came to report on this event. This was big news. There was one reporter, William Skeets Miller. It's a shame we don't have anyone named Skeets anymore. It's not a name you hear these days. But Skeets was a very small man in stature, and this was a big opportunity for him. He would actually crawl down into the cave and conduct an interview with the topic of our podcast Very few were brave enough to actually go down into the cave. But Skeets did it. He wanted to get that interview. Since he was brave enough to go down there, they used him as a means to deliver food and water while the topic of our podcast was still trapped. The harness rescue did not work. A rock asphalt company shows up. They've got ideas. They want to use a rescue shaft that the topic of our podcast could then be pulled up through. They start digging and removing rocks and this is what allows them to run some lights down to the topic of our podcast. This would allow the topic of our podcast and anyone else who was down in the cave the ability to see. And the topic of our podcast actually hung some electric lights around his neck so he could actually see and it would give him some heat. Because even though we're in Kentucky, which isn't known for their harsh winters, this was during the month of February, so it was kind of cold. The weather outside was rainy. On Wednesday, the topic of our podcast was still in the cave. And now, part of the ceiling would start to collapse because of all the rain. When this happened, it blocked the rescuer's ability to reach him. They could still hear him, so communication was still possible. But bringing him food and water was no longer an option. The National Guardsmen brought professional engineers in. Soldiers established a perimeter around the entrance. And the engineers kind of brainstormed as to what they would try to get the topic of our podcast back to safety. And now it's Thursday, February 5th. The topic of our podcast is still trapped. With the cave-ins, the walls have closed now. Voice communication is no longer possible. The team of engineers and rescuers were struggling to figure out what to do. Now it's been several days since the topic of our podcast had been trapped, and the ideas that they've come up with have all failed, or have been shot down for some reason. The next day, they decided to dig a tunnel... They weren't going to go through the original cave entrance. They were going to go around it and come out where they believe the topic of our podcast was trapped. This could work. They conducted a test over a radio, and they determined the topic of our podcast was still alive. The topic of our podcast had a brother who was very active in this search. In fact, the National Guard had been preventing him from entering the cave because they feared he would get stuck and they'd have to rescue him as well. But on Friday, February 6th, he managed to get into the cave. He was gone for a while, but then he came back with no information. By now, this is the top news story in the country. Rescuers had tried all kinds of different plans to get access to the topic of our podcast, but some of the ideas that they couldn't use because the guard would not allow it a group of men were going to chisel away the rock that was directly above the topic of our podcast. That idea was shot down because they figured that may cause a cave-in directly, directly above the topic of our podcast, and that could kill him. By Sunday, February the 8th, it's estimated that 10,000 people have made it to the area to see what's happening. People from multiple states have come in To see this rescue having taken over as the biggest news story in the country, people from everywhere had never really seen anything like this before. This was big news. Rumors started to spread that there never actually was anyone trapped in the cave, that it was just a publicity stunt. The next day on Monday, the newspapers run with a story that is just an elaborate hoax. A hoax to get people to come and visit and spend their money. One of the other theories that was run in the newspapers are that the topic of our podcast was murdered after he entered the cave. And that's why no one can reach him, because he's dead. Another newspaper ran with the rescuers were purposely keeping food and water from him so that he would die. And then another news source said that there was an alternative exit to the cave and the topic of our podcast was exiting the cave every night and then going back in before sunup. and you thought the news media today had issues reporting the truth no my friends this has been an issue for a long long time next Tuesday next Wednesday now we're into February 11th Kentucky gets some snow The rescuers continue to dig, but they aren't really finding anything. By Thursday, February 12th, the topic of our podcast has now been trapped for 13 days, and nobody has been able to get him food for at least seven of those days. The shaft that they've been digging to try and rescue him is now 48 feet deep, and it's always... ...under constant risk of collapsing. The next day, it's Saturday. The rescue shaft is now 55 feet deep. Rain is in the forecast. And now rain is going down the shaft. Onlookers continue to show up. People still traveling around from the country to see this rescue. While the press is now convinced that... ...the topic of our podcast actually is stuck in the cave... It is now Monday, February 16th, the brother of the topic of our podcast. Here's a rumor that the topic of our podcast has actually been discovered and rescued, and they are going to bring him up through the shaft. It is Monday morning, February 16th. The brother of the topic of our podcast is excited. He breaks through the National Guard. And that afternoon, he finds this not to be the case. Rescuers finally connect the shaft with Sand Cave and they make contact with the topic of our podcast. But it's too late. They discover his lifeless body, but he's still trapped. Based on the medical officer's opinion, they assume that he had died on Sunday, February 15th. Later on, this was revised He may have been dead longer. They're not sure if he was still alive on the 15th, the 14th. He may have died as early as February 11th, which would put him buried for five days before the day of discovery. They were unable to determine the exact day, but with sunken eyes, extreme exhaustion, and starvation, the topic of our podcast was definitely deceased. On Tuesday the 17th, the family of the topic of our podcast decided to just leave his body where it was discovered. The risk of dragging him through the opening and pulling his body up through the shaft. They didn't want to risk that. That could have been a mess. So the decision was made to leave him trapped in Sand Cave. One of the interesting and ironic facts of this case is that the rock that trapped the topic of our podcast was only 75 pounds. Now, a 75-pound rock falling downwards carries a lot of force. But had the topic of our podcast been able to see and navigate under normal circumstances, he was definitely strong enough to pick up that rock and move it. But this wouldn't be the end of our story. Later on, the brother and the father of the topic of our podcast changed their mind about where he should be buried. They reopened the original rescue shaft, and they managed to excavate the body of the topic of our podcast so that he could be embalmed and then buried in a proper funeral. The family buried him on a hillside near the cave that he had discovered. A few years after that, the family sold their farm and land and a doctor who purchased the family farm decided to dig up the body of the topic of our podcast and he put it in a glass-topped coffin and then put it on display. In 1929, somebody broke into the display and stole the body. The body was later recovered when it was found laying in a field with the leg missing. The leg that was missing was the leg that was injured when the rock trapped the topic of our podcast foot. After this, the remains were kept in a chained casket in Crystal Cave. But in 1961, Mammoth Cave National Park purchased Crystal Cave and closed it off to the public. At the family's request, they reinterred him at the Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery in 1989. This reinterment took a team of 15 men, a total of three days, to remove the casket and tombstone from the cave. While the story of this explorer was truly tragic, you can visit Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, Or you can check out the musical by Adam Gattell and Tina Landau. There have been several books. In 2006, Billy Bob Thornton optioned the rights to a movie called Trapped, the story of Floyd Collins. Because Floyd Collins is the topic of today's podcast. Because now you know the rest of the story. Don't forget to download Solitaire Cube. Play for real money. Use promo code DerekIzzy, D-E-R-E-K-I-Z-Z-I. Get $1 for free when you make your first deposit. Go head-to-head competing in Solitaire for real money. And tune in next month when the Derek Izzy Show brings you the story of... Hmm. don't remember what next month's up but good day